sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Now, Stacy Washington. Welcome to the program. Stacey Washington, host of Stacey on the Right here on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. It's my pleasure to be with you and also to welcome you to the program. Happy Monday. We have a ton to get to today. We have so much news and information. Things are just moving really fast, really quickly, I should say. And uh, it's, it's good. Some of it's good. Some of it's so-so. And uh, I think some of it's bad. So we're going to first... I want to tell you we have Eric Trump. Uh, He is actually running the Trump companies while his father is the president of the United States. And so we're so excited to speak to him again. He's been on the program once before. He's going to come on and talk to us about this wonderful new NAFTA deal. He'll be on in the last segment of this hour. And then we're going to continue to unpack this whole Kavanaugh thing. But before we get to that, I want to give you some, uh, it's it's a daily confession. So if you're going to church regularly. You've probably heard your pastor talking about how we should confess the word over situations that are tough, confess the word over difficult situations, really plug into the word because that's our power source that connects us. God's word is that's, that's his instruction manual for us. And it helps us to, first of all, renew our minds and to continue that march in it. We're being sanctified, but there, it's a, it's an effort. It's not something that happens passively. You have to go into the word. And so I was thinking about some of the daily, the scriptures that I confess on a daily basis. And I thought, you know, I feel a, a, an inordinate sense of stress over what's going on with uh, the Supreme Court nomination. And for some people, well, why? Why would you be? Well, the reason why is because it's not just the Supreme Court nomination that is impacted here. What we're seeing, uh, a huge amount of Americans that are saying, you know, men shut up. Women have the right to not only be heard, but to be believed in every instance. Men are, are taking a backseat to women in a way that it's, it's not equal under the law. It's not equal in the sight of God. And it's not something that if you're a woman, I, I, we had a caller last week who pointed out, well, you're a woman. Yeah. A, a circumstance of my birth but definitely not something that would cause me to think differently. But there are millions of Americans right now, women specifically, but some men as well, who are really taking on this victimhood cloak, this mantle of, you know, it's just what I can see. The circumstances that are around me are all that really matter. And that is not biblical. So what I want to do today is it's our first time doing it at the top of the show where we just have our daily confession. Today's comes from Zephaniah 317. The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. Now, let's unpack that for a second. Why would God remind us that he's the mighty warrior who saves? For specifically for circumstances like this, we're watching the high-tech lynching of Judge Brett Kavanaugh. And for many, I've seen Many, many people, people of huge stature, big time writers for conservative publications, and all are sounding the clarion call that this is a, a moment where we, we have to choose a path. 
If we choose the path of victimization and victimhood, then we end up traveling along a trajectory that means that we really need to decouple ourselves from our very basic assumptions about every single person in this country, which is that you're innocent until proven guilty. And the standard is preponderance of evidence. And so the Bible says the Lord, your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. So who will save Brett Kavanaugh from this? It's not just an unfortunate condition. It's an intentional maligning of his character and the destruction of him as a person. Who will save him from that? Well, our father in heaven. Now, that doesn't mean we're passive in that and we just sit back and watch, confess our scripture and move on. No, we have to actively shut down the idea that a person can simply accuse another person. And by virtue of that person who's accusing be a woman, then the person who's being accused is automatically guilty. When you hear that, put up the stop sign. Sorry, no, I can't accept that. That's not something I'm willing to accept. I believe in innocent until proven guilty. And later in the show today, we're going to have a little bit of audio from uh, the Megyn Kelly show where she has this young man on. He just happens to be black. His accuser was also black, so it's not a racial story. And he was convicted on simply her word alone and prosecutorial misconduct. And he didn't have very good legal representation himself of raping her. Well, sexual assault. They didn't get specific about what exactly what he was accused of. But he went to jail for five years under a plea agreement. And then after he got out of jail and was still wearing an ankle monitor, she reached out to him on Facebook to try to paper things over because she'd gotten a settlement from the school where it supposedly occurred for one and a half million dollars. So this young man has had to be wrongly incarcerated and he had a football scholarship that he was going to go to college on. He was a football star in high school. He had that completely obliterated by this woman who then went on to try to be his friend. She wanted to kindle a relationship, she said, to put bygones behind us. And it was through that interaction that he was able to get uh, the Innocence Project to help him exonerate himself because she admitted that she lied. And so what I want to encourage you, first of all, we, we want less of that. We want less young men going to prison because they've been wrongly accused. We also want fewer young women who've been sexually assaulted to go forward without ever having justice given to them. But those two situations are not the Kavanaugh situation. And so as we roll through this week, the temptation is to become downtrodden with it, to see that because the Democrats control the media and they control the online written space, that there just isn't any way for us to, to prevail. There's no way for Kavanaugh to prevail. You see the cartoon that was written about him where his daughter is praying for him and she's calling him a rapist and everything else. You see that and it's very discouraging. And that's what's in the natural. What we have to pay attention to, if we are to be effective, is we have to pay attention to what God's word says. Because he takes care of situations. God doesn't have to be working where we can see it for him to be working. So the Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. So he's going to save us out of every situation. He will make all things right. He will take great delight in you. That's each and every one of us. In his love, he will no longer rebuke us because we can ask for forgiveness. And he will rejoice over us with singing, which is something fantastic. And if you have children, you know how it is when you're just so pleased with your baby and you're just walking around carrying your baby around singing 
That is the relationship that we have with our Father in heaven. And it is so important for us to hold on to that when we're in these rocky times. And these are rocky times because if Kavanaugh goes down, this same tactic will be employed for every single judicial nominee going forward. This almost worked on Clarence Thomas, but it still worked in the election that same year. The year that Dianne Feinstein created this whole methodology of attack, it didn't work with Judge Clarence Thomas. He was seated, but it did help usher in a whole lot of women elected to Congress on the Democratic side based upon the fact that they said he got onto the Supreme Court incorrectly, wrongly. That's not what we want to see here. We want to see people go on to the Supreme Court and into judicial appointments and into any sphere of American life based on their qualifications. Not like in California where they're now saying it's the law. You have to have a woman on your board of directors. So if you're running a nuts and bolts factory and everybody on your board is related to you or used to work in the company actually making nuts and bolts and you don't have any women who are interested in serving on the board, you don't even have very many women in your workforce, you have to go out and find some woman and probably pay her to serve on a board that's unpaid so that you can satisfy this law in California. And, and I really ask you, if you're a woman, I certainly find that insulting. I would want to be placed on a board. As I have served on boards before, they reach out to me and ask me, your skills and expertise look like they fit our board. Can we have an interview? Can we talk to you? We'd love for you to serve us. We'd love to have your input on our operations. That is something that is a privilege to receive that email or phone call. It's a privilege to do that service. Sometimes those positions are paid. I've never been paid to be on a board, but there are paid board positions. But that's, that's the point is that you want to be asked or you want to seek out the opportunity and say, I think I have something to offer. Have them consider you and choose you based on your merit, not some arbitrary law put in place by a victim capologist. That's not what we want. So again, it's Zephaniah 317. That's our daily confession. You can switch those words up and say them about yourself. The Lord, my God is with me. He is a mighty warrior who saves. He takes great delight in me. In his love, he will no longer rebuke me, but he will rejoice over me with singing. It'll lift your spirits, it'll lift your heart. You know, put on some praise and worship. Get it, you will enjoy it. And that is a way for us to keep ourselves. We need to be at an even keel to deal with the kinds of things we're seeing coming out of Washington, D.C. right now. It's like somebody let a bunch of mentally ill, you know, no offense, tweens, but mentally ill ill tweens to run around in Washington, D.C., and they're just doing whatever they want, regardless of what the law says or what the rules say or what decorum says. You got these protesters who were paid by Soros who confronted Jeff Flake in that elevator and screamed in his face and ordered him to turn around and listen to them. You can't walk away from me. In what country are we living where a person who's being verbally assaulted can't simply turn and walk away? I would have said, actually, I can. And I am. I'm walking away. And now, Capitol Police, will you please escort these two people off this elevator? (laughs) They wouldn't have had five seconds with me. But I guess as a man, Jeff Flake doesn't feel he has that right. That's what we have to avoid. So actually, we have some breaking news on the president this morning and a press conference about his new announcement that he actually got Canada to come to the table without crooking his pinky on the North American Free Trade Agreement, which now has a new name. He verbally expanded the FBI investigation when answering a question from a reporter. It's number six. I think the FBI should interview anybody that they want within reason. But you have to say within reason. They should interview, but they should also be guided, and I'm being guided, by what the senators are looking for. Should Brett Kavanaugh be interviewed by the FBI? 
I think so. I think it's fine if they do. Should the FBI interview all three of Brett Kavanaugh's accusers? Uh, it wouldn't bother me at all. Now, it depends. I don't know all three of the accusers. All three. Certainly, I imagine they're going to interview two. Uh, the third one, I don't know much about, but it wouldn't bother me at all. I mean, I've been heard that the third one has, I have no idea if this is true, has very little credibility. So the the very little credibility, we'll discuss that. We'll, we'll talk about the very little credibility. Um, it's it's one of those things where I, so it's important for us to basically vet the accuser. And what the left wants us to do is to say, well, if it's a woman, she has to be believed. Well, what about the women who accused Bill Clinton? What about the girl who was killed by Ted Kennedy? What about the woman who is currently accusing Keith Ellison? What about all of the accusations that were leveled against Harvey Weinstein? He was allowed to be, be a predator all over the United States and internationally by people who, when a woman would say something about it, they'd say, oh, you got to be quiet because you don't want to go up against him. So it's only now that women need to be believed, now that they found some women to accuse Brett Kavanaugh. Do you see the double standard? And if you're fuming right now, if you're in a rage because I'm saying this and you're, you know, you want to call me a liberal snowflake or some other really, in, you know, just it doesn't match up kind of insult. Why don't you address the, the beam in your own eye, first of all? Because this isn't about me personally. This is about the actual rule of law. And it's about, you know, I, I find it hard to believe that women in America today live in complete cultures that they don't have a father, they don't have a brother, they don't have a son, they're not married to a man, there's no man in your life anywhere, you don't have a male boss or male coworker. there's not a man in your life anywhere, the guy who guards the front door at your apartment complex or wherever you're interacting, you've never come across a man who, if you thought he was being wrongly accused, you would stand up for him and, and really advocate on his behalf because it's not about him it's about justice it's about what's right and what's wrong and so if if all you can hear is the fact that I'm a woman and I'm not against Brett Kavanaugh you're missing the bigger picture here it's about wrongly accused individuals not having their basic constitutionally provided rights afforded to them because of some hashtag movement a bunch of people who probably have good intentions, some of them, but they're being used. They're political pawns. That's the real problem. It's not that I'm a woman or that I have the wrong view. All right, when we get back, we have more for you. We're going to be talking about this NAFTA trade agreement or the new one. <laughs> Stay there. Hello, everyone. I'm Tim Wildman, president of American Family Association and American Family Radio. You know, the very first day in Israel, when we're staying in Jerusalem, we go to the Mount of Olives. And it's there at the Mount of Olives we look out over the old city of Jerusalem. It's a spectacular sight. You've seen it in pictures before, but it's another thing to actually be there as we walk down from the Mount of Olives to the Garden of Gethsemane and we pray there. It's going to be a wonderful time with brothers and sisters from around the country visiting the Holy Land, the land of Jesus. If you want information on this March 14th through the 22nd tour, just call us and we'll send you a brochure. Call 1-800-FAMILIES, F-A-M-I-L-I-E-S, option 5, and leave us your name and your address and we'll mail you a brochure. Or if you want to simply go online at twholyland.com, everything's there, twholyland.com. 
Hi, I'm Crawford Loritz with a Legacy Moment. Years ago, I sat in a meeting in which a man who heads up a fairly large Christian organization literally made light of and ridiculed another fellow in the meeting who was leading this other ministry that was much smaller and yet was doing very much the same thing. I couldn't believe my ears. We're the big boys on the block, and we're far more significant, and everybody knows our track record and our history. I sat there grieved. And by the way, I did speak up. It hurts to be told that what you're doing doesn't matter and it's insignificant. In Nehemiah chapter 4, Nehemiah is rebuilding the wall. Not everybody likes what Nehemiah is doing. In fact, what he is doing is threatening them. So they resort to ridicule, putting him down. Beginning in verse 1, Now it came about that when Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became furious and very angry and mocked the Jews. He spoke in the presence of his brothers and the wealthy men of Samaria and said, What are these feeble Jews doing? Are they going to restore it for themselves? Can they offer sacrifices? Can they finish in a day? Can they revive the stone from the dusty rubble, even the burnt ones? Now Tobiah the Ammonite was near him, and he said, Even what they are building, if a fox should jump on it, he would break their stone wall down. Now Nehemiah responds in verse 4, Hear, O our God, how we are despised. Then verse 6, So we built the wall, and the whole wall was joined together to half its height, for the people had a mind to work. Well, here's what I want you to remember today. If God told you to do something, then it's significant. Only what God says really matters. Legacy Moment is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Global Ministries. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. I also want to thank President Peña Nieto of Mexico, who we had a few disagreements, but I really like him a lot. I think he may like me, I'm not sure. But I think he's a terrific person, and he'll be leaving uh, soon, but he's really done a good job and wonderful, wonderful person. And the Mexican president-elect Lopez Obrador, who has given his support to this agreement, and we're developing a really good relationship, which I think is very important for our country, frankly, and for Mexico. And uh, so they worked together on this. This was done by both. I said, look, I don't want to sign an agreement, and then a new president comes in. They don't like it, and we have difficulty. Uh, they worked very much together on it, and I appreciate it from both. Wow. So that's President Trump, who had a um, pretty interesting freewheeling press conference this morning. He was uh, touching on a lot of subjects. He really he hit the trade topic. And um, I think it's a it's a real victory for him. And it's an, in an area where he was it was roundly reported everywhere you look that he couldn't get this done, that he couldn't renegotiate this trade agreement. And, and really, he's renamed it to kind of honor that. And that's it's always a good reset to rename something that's been radically changed and updated and improved, as as is the case here. Uh, he he was he was told you can't renegotiate NAFTA. NAFTA is the deal of the day and you have to keep it. You can't change it. Um, the other countries won't put up with it. And what he proved is what I've, I honestly didn't I say this like a year ago, year and a half ago. I've said this at least four or five times on the show. Um, it's a regular refrain that the deal is doing business with America. 
So we have all of the cards. We should set the table. We should decide the menu. We should choose the servers. We should decide what time the meal is going to be served, who gets to come, and when it's over. And we should also not be the only people who are paying, but we should get to share in the payments. In other words, it's an, it's an equal type of a deal. And if we want to be the ones who are footing more of the bill for a while, as we have done for decades, and then we want to change our minds about that, that should also be something that we do with impunity because the deal is getting to deal with America. I love the fact that Donald Trump knew that from decades ago. He's been talking about this for decades. And now he's showing that there's, there's a lot of value in saying, I don't like this deal and I want to no, negotiate another one. And then when Canada said, well, we don't want to do that, he said, okay, I'll negotiate something with Mexico then. And he got down to the table with Mexico and negotiated something that worked. And really, it's, it's, it has nothing to do with anything other than business. So he negotiated the deal with the country that would sit down. And then he put a deadline on the table, which a lot of Americans don't know about because the mainstream media didn't even report that he, hey, if you don't come to us by this day, we're going to have to go ahead and go forward without you. And you know, Canada will not be a part of this deal. Well, that's what he said. And what has happened? Canada had to come to the table. There were others in the Canadian government who went to Justin Trudeau last week and said, this, the, the deadline is approaching. You need to reinsert yourself into this negotiation and get Canada back at the table with the United States. It's, it's just unacceptable that they would have a trade deal with Mexico and not with us. And we want it to be bilateral. We want it to be the three of us together as the northern, you know, northern, northern, north, North America, in other words, just the continent together. We want that. That's something that we've had. It's something that we want in the future. Get back in there. And so Justin Trudeau had to cave to the pressure put on him. And, and, and so he did. So um, now I want to listen to uh, number four is Treasury Secretary McNuchin. Talking about this new trade deal with Canada, now this was on Friday. Um, I had a little bit of audio from him this morning, but we were unable to kind of make the little gremlins in the background click on that one. But this is still good because he's talking about the Canadian aspect of this trade deal. It's number four. Well, I'm, I'm not going to speculate on, on any, any one issue. What I would say is the, the U.S. market and the Canadian markets are, are very intertwined. Um, it's important for them uh, to get this deal, and uh, it's important for us to get this deal. So I, I think we'll be successful. But again, if we don't, uh, we'll move forward with, with Mexico, and then we'll reach a separate agreement with Canada. So this is, this is really about a trade win. This is about the president's economic agenda that we've been very clear from day one, tax reform, regulatory relief, and trade. And this is the first major component of the trade agreements. And it's the first major component. So there will be other tweaks and changes. The other thing that's not being widely reported is that guess who else is coming to the table? Guess who else is reducing their tariffs on American goods? Guess who else is opening up other trade avenues to American goods and services? China. Remember, we were told that Mr. Protectionist Donald Trump was going to destroy the American economy by renegotiating anything not just with the North American Free Trade Agreement, but with China specifically. We were told that jobs could not return to this country. We were, I mean, we were told so many things. It had to have been, I kind of tuned some of it out because I, I was considering the source. P 
people who believed in the kind of economics that we saw from the previous president. And, you know, if that had worked, then I would have been a convert to it. Because for me, it's not about I can only believe in this one thing, even if it doesn't work. No, it has to be that in the face of new information and proof that a new way is better, that you have to be able to absorb that new information. Here's the problem. We haven't gotten any new information that shows that kowtowing to our trade partners and giving them deals that benefit them and not us somehow helps Americans. We have huge segments of our society, and I think they're larger than they should be considering the kind of economic growth and prosperity we have in this country and the opportunity that's here. We have outsized individual um, groups of people who are not experiencing the American dream. They're living in extreme poverty or poverty that it's poverty American style. Obviously, in comparison to some other countries, it would still be, you know, primo living. But for, for American standards, it's not up to snuff. And the way to get to those segments of our society is obviously we seal the southern border. We get rid of the illegal immigration and the, the depression of wages that comes with that. But also to make sure that enough of our manufacturing is still situated in the contiguous United States, making it possible for us to not only stand up the means and methodology to make war if we should need to, but to employ segments of our society that benefit most from those jobs. So am I saying that we can't become a completely technologically advanced society? We're already there. We're already at a place where now scientists are discussing whether or not all of us should be able to have, I I don't have any cat pictures, but for those of you who like cats, cat pics, uh, for me, it's pics of kids and dogs uh, up in the cloud, whether or not we should have the ability to upload just any old thing we want, all the old memes from 2012, all that stuff, instead of limiting what people can upload because the scientists and researchers need cloud space to store data, you know, research and and things like that. And so that's already a conversation that's happening. And that's like, you know, 30,000 feet above the level where we're all just uploading every picture or, you know, 20 selfies in one outfit, you know, 80 pictures of your rose garden, that, that type of stuff. That's the discussion that's being had. So you reach a place technologically where There's only so far you can go. And of course, you can still advance, but it's not the leaps and bounds like we're experiencing right now. And so that that has to be a part of the equation as well. But we we're we're never going to have 100 percent of our society like you see in space movies, like in Star Trek and Star Wars. You see that the entire culture has been completely technologically advanced to the point where there's no that that doesn't happen. Remember, there's the 80 10-10 principle with human beings, which is you got 80% of the people who are willing to consider almost any proposal. You have 10% who are always going to be a no. They're a no. They are a no. They're absolutely a no. And then you have 10% of the people who are, quite honestly, they're a yes. They are just riding by the seat of their pants and they're screaming all the way down and they're laughing and giggling and they're high on life or whatever. And they're just, yes, let's, you want to do something new? Yes. So that means you'll never have 100% of our society I mean, we can't even get 100% of Americans to buy car insurance. Did you know that? Actuarially speaking, only 80%, sometimes as high as like 88% of Americans at any one time, everybody has car insurance. That's because some people just aren't going to buy it. They're, they're not financially stable enough. They're going to drive a car, but they're just not going to buy any car insurance. We have car insurance rates that account for that reality. So there's never a, an opportunity for us to get 100% of human beings to do anything except, you know, natural bodily functions and waking up and going to sleep and that type of stuff, paying taxes and dying. And we can't even get 100% on that. So what's important for us is that we understand that 
and we take the successes where we can get them. And this trade deal is 100% of a success for us. Um, so I want to talk about the dairy issue. So you've got the North American Free Trade Agreement, which is no, that's not what it's being called anymore. Um, and when I say it's a total, like it's a total uh, uptick, meaning we have this completely revamped structure. It's the new U.S.-Mexico-Canada deal. Um, I want to give you the specific name because he called it the MCA earlier today at the press conference. It's the three NAFTA signatory countries coming together, and it's a new accord, and it's called the USMCA, the United States-Mexico-Canada Agreement. So still a nice, simple name. And it was struck just ahead of the deadline on Sunday night. And it governs nearly $1.2 trillion in trade, making it the biggest trade deal in the history of the United States. It's truly historic, and it's something that I'm excited about because I like to see us win. I would have loved to have seen an agreement that reoriented the structure of our, our business arrangement with Canada and Mexico under President Obama because it would have saved millions of American jobs and it would have meant more economic prosperity, but he wasn't willing to do it. I'm happy to see it under Donald Trump because he actually ran on that. You know, promises made, promises kept. That's fantastic. Um, so you might have seen the story. I want to pivot over really quickly. And also, we have time in this segment to take calls because we will not have time to take calls during the interview with Mr. Trump. So what I'd like you to do is if you want to call in, it's 866-963-2037. 866-963-2037. You can call in and talk about free trade agreement, Kavanaugh. Uh, or this story, D.C. restaurant hiring guards after an anti-Kavanaugh crowd harassed Ted Cruz and his wife. So you might have saw this story last week. You got Ted Cruz, and he's coming uh, to a restaurant with his wife, and they're in D.C. Now, remember, the spouses of these political figures aren't really in the game. Yes, they support their spouses, but really? Like, since when has your boss ever called you up and asked to speak to your husband to yell at him about something you did? doesn't usually happen, does it? So you've got an upscale Italian restaurant called Fiola, and they're hiring security guards after protesters confronted Senator Ted Cruz and his wife while dining at the restaurant last week. He says, we're now living in the aftermath of this PR disaster. He emailed the customers. He said, last Monday, Cruz and his wife were chased out by about a dozen protesters regarding the senator's support of embattled Supreme Court nominee Judge Brett Kavanaugh. He said, we never would have thought such a thing was possible in the restaurant business. The email said, Trabocci and his wife, Maria Font Trabocci, have personally received death threats just because the, the, the cruises came to eat there. Can you imagine? So you're running an upscale restaurant and a senator and his wife show up. You seat them and then people want to kill you because you offer them a place to eat. It's a restaurant. You're in public. Unless they showed up drunk or improperly dressed, what were they supposed to do? In addition to extra security, staff are being retrained to avoid similar instances and encouraged customers to keep coming to Fiola's because, quote, we will emerge from this challenge quickly. Video clips of the confrontation were posted to Twitter by an account called Smash Racism DC. And 
she tweeted out and said it was an honor to welcome them back. And they came back on Monday evening after the protesters left. They came back and had their meal. Way to go for them. And they said after a brief interruption by protesters and after police arrived, Mr. and Mrs. Cruz were able to finish their meal. Fantastic. I'm, I'm really happy about that. Um, okay, so let's go to the phones. We have Ron in Texas. Thank you for calling in to Stacy on the right. Happy Monday to you. Thank you, ma'am. I appreciate you having me on. Uh, sure. What I'd like to make a, is a comment on Miss Ford's qualifications for being the perfect accuser because she knows because of her uh, schooling and background, she knows exactly what traits to exhibit while she's sitting there. She knows what characteristics to explain because she is a perfect person for that because of her degrees in psychology and all this other stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> having been a uh, behavioral detection officer with, with, uh, with TSA, you learn to look at all the small things and, you know, she's right, she's right on the, she knows what to exhibit. And I think she did through her teeth also. Yes, thank you. I did too. I, I did not find her credible. I'm not one of those people who believes something happened to her. I think she made it up and she was well rehearsed uh, because she acted as if she didn't know stuff about psychology, but some of her, her advanced education is in psychology. Thank you so much. Um, okay, Vicki in Ohio, thank you so much for calling the show. We have a little less than a minute. What's your comment? Hi, I just wanted to comment on the tactics that are being used by... Um, people, um, the very liberal right. Um, mm -hmm. If you think about it historically, when people don't realize history, they are doomed to repeat it because these are the exact same tactics that were used by the brown shirts in Germany mm -hmm. when Hitler was first coming on the scene. And, and when people don't really get uh, that we are rapidly moving to where societal, uh, just our norms and values, are just being so, I don't know, just eroded away so rapidly that nothing is off bounds. How, how is it a crime to be in a restaurant with your wife eating and people feel like they can literally come and run you out? It's I have sad. no idea. It's sad. It is. And we have to stand up against it. And if it takes armed guards, so be it. But the protesters are the ones who weren't allowed to be there because it's private property. Thank you so much, Vicki in Ohio. Um, we're going to go to the break now. And what we're going to do is when we come back, I believe we're going to have Eric Trump. So, you guys, I'm so excited to get to speak to him again. Stay right there. Physical activity is the new trend. It's not a bad thing unless it has brought a sense of vanity in your life. Two years ago, I was not happy with the number on the scale, nor how I looked. I've never been a huge person, but I was, as the old folks would say, healthy. <laughs> I joined a gym, gained a personal trainer, even changed some of my eating habits. The Lord checked me one day and in my spirit said, why are you disgusted with yourself? Be healthy, take care of the temple I've loaned you, but do it because you want to honor this body, which is your responsibility while on this earth. I said, you better let me know, Abba. Psalms 139 verse 14 says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. 
15 pounds down, I know that even if I was to never look like Serena Williams with those nice framed worked out arms, I am wonderfully made in his image. And so are you. With the heart for the Urban Family, I'm today's Urban Woman, Victory McIntosh. Connect with us more at UrbanFamilyTalk.com. Hi, this is Steve Tiber with 8 Days of Hope. We've seen God open up so many doors for us to help serve and love those who get affected by a natural disaster. As the trees and the wind started crashing down around us, my wife was, of course, very diligently praying, you know, Lord, please be with us. Very simply, we do it because God commands us to love others. I see these volunteers all as a gift from God. And I'm just grateful they're here, you know, helping out. It's a blessing. If you're interested in becoming a part of what God's doing through 8 Days of Hope, please go to 8daysofhope.com, click on Get Involved, submit your email address. I've noticed that whenever there's a time in my life when um, things might be a little gloomy, the number one thing that I can do is to go serve somebody. And uh, I would encourage anyone else to, uh, it's worth it, come out and do it next time if you didn't make it to this one. And, um, The Father will really bless you in it. Thank you so much for your prayers and volunteering with 8 Days of Hope. Donald Trump's America. In under a week, an FBI background check should be completed into allegations of sex assault against Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh. Even as the president praised Christine Blasey Ford for coming forward, GOP Judiciary Committee member Senator Lindsey Graham on ABC's This Week said he won't let the Democrats derail their nominee. When it comes to judicial nominees nominated by our side, I'm going to make sure they're treated fairly, and he was not. But committee Democrat Senator Maisie Hirono also on ABC says there seems to be no disagreement that Blasey Ford's testimony was genuine. Everyone acknowledges, including Judge Kavanaugh, that Dr. Ford is not being politically motivated. The president ordered the FBI probe, although limited in time and scope. It has put on the back burner other issues, including a meeting with Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein, alleged to be involved in a scheme to prompt the president's removal from office. Rosenstein denies it. Gernal Scott, Fox News. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the program. You can go to StacyOnTheRight.com. You can also go to AFR.net and UrbanFamilyTalk.com. Thank you so much for being with us today. I'm so excited to welcome back for a second visit to the show to talk about this new fantastic, uh, you know, it's it's exactly a promise that the president made and now has kept. It's Eric Trump. He's the executive vice president of the Trump Organization. He's husband to Laura Lay Trump and large advocate of St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital. He is also a believer in Make America Great Again, which I am too. Thank you so much, Eric, for joining us today. Stacey, it's so great to be back. Love being, uh, love being with you. Well, I'm excited because I watched the press conference this morning and the president was, I, I thought he looked pretty exuberant about closing this deal. And it, it was everybody said he couldn't do it. Media said it. There were some elected officials who said he couldn't do it. There were con- Congress critters who said he couldn't do it. Anywhere you looked, it was nothing but naysayers about how there was no way he could renegotiate NAFTA, quote unquote. Not only has he done that, but he's renamed it. It's amazing. We're winning again, Stacey. We're, 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 we're winning again. Um, America is back, right? Everybody made fun of him when he started talking about trade deals. Well, we must have free trade, free trade. He's like, guys, but the problem is we don't have free trade right now. We're getting ripped off at the tune of $800 billion a year. We're rebuilding entire nations. We don't have free trade right now. You know, everybody calls it free trade, but it's not actually free. And 
So they poked fun at him, you know, for a long time. And then all of a sudden his message started catching on and he came up with an amazing deal with, with Mexico. Uh, then he put a lot of, you know, pressure on, on Canada. Um, he's obviously, obviously going after China in a very big way. And, and, and there's a dozen others that are absolutely um, eating our lunch or that have been. But you look how good this trade deal with Mexico is. You look how great this trade deal with Canada is. It protects our workers. Um, it, it, you know, uh, stops the abusive practices um, you know, we lost, and I, I, I think I said this to you last time, Stacey, on the show, between 2001, Bill Clinton signed NAFTA in 2001. Between 2001 and 2016, we lost 70,000 factories in this country, 70,000. Right? I mean, think about how many jobs, think about how many families that impacted across, you know, our nation. And so he's going in systematically as a business guy, negotiating harder than anybody in the world would ever negotiate, certainly any politician. He's the only one that actually called out the problem. And he's correcting these trade deals. Guess what? 75% of an American car has to be made here in America, right? You know, I mean, just very basic things like that. And, and that's going to have our industry return, and it's going to stop, you know, the situations where we let products come into our country for free. Uh, but when we send our products made by Americans to other countries, we're not getting taxed unfairly, which puts companies out of business. I was so proud of him today. Um, I was so proud of him. And one other thing that you started with, and I have to say this, not to be long-winded, but, you know, no no one said he could do this, right? Everybody, right. they were all naysayers. You can't renegotiate these deals. He gets up there and announced that, obviously, he reached this unbelievable deal with, with Canada today, and the press won't even ask questions about it. All, they, all they'll ask about is Kavanaugh. So it's, it's so amazing. <laughs> A couple months ago, they were saying that he couldn't do it, and now he does it, and, and they don't even want to focus on, and, you know, he please, can I have one question about fair trade and, you know, like free trade and our deal with Canada, but instead, you know, Kavanaugh, Kavanaugh, Kavanaugh. I mean, it, it's 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 really unbelievable. Um, I'm I'm very very proud of him. He's done an amazing job. Well, I I have to say, um, one of the things that I find just I, I'm with you on the 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 media saying, well, we're going to talk about Kavanaugh, and this is this is something he promised and was mocked. Like all the all the shows that are supposed to be quote unquote funny, the nighttime shows said, yeah, he's he says all the deals are bad. And he's going to redo them. Yeah, how's he going to do that? Even President Obama said, how does he bring jobs back here with a magic wand? I mean, it was just a routine matter, of course, that it was an accepted fact he couldn't do this. Even just one acknowledgement would be enough for me. I, I'm, I, don't, I don't need a lot, Eric. I'm not, I'm not that kind of person who needs a ton. You know, just maybe just one admission that this was something that really, it's historic. It's the biggest trade deal we've ever had. Um, and that Canada came to the table at the very last minute under the wire. But, but I feel like... The president knew they were coming. I feel like he he, he you know, expected I them. Think, yeah, I think you'll better the relationship between the two countries because you're no longer in a situation where one country is ripping off, you know, the other. And you know, Mexico's now taking care of Canada's now taking care of. And believe me, he's focusing on on, on China. Right? There's 250 billion dollars worth of tariffs on China right now. Our economy today, the Dow is up 200 points at opening. The Dow was up 200 points today. Right? Our markets are at all time record highs. You know this better than anybody. If you look at China, China's stock market is down 20% this year. Their currency is down 12 or 13% this year alone. It's the largest, mar- you know, it's the largest drop of any market worldwide for, you know, for an established country, for, you know, for a developed country. So everybody talks about these trade wars. They love that word, you know, you know trade wars, trade wars. Well, there's only one trade war, and we were the ones get, getting absolutely ripped off. But who's who's winning a trade war if if our markets, our economy has never been stronger 
And China is down by over 20%. I mean, their their economy is totally suffering because, you know, they're, they're a producing nation, we're a consuming nation, they quite frankly need us a lot more than, than we need them. And yeah, Stacey, this year we have a four we, we have four point two percent GDP growth, um, one of the best in history. We have the lowest unemployment in the history of our nation, three point nine percent. I mean, the amount of jobs out there, you know, wages are increasing. Um, this year is three percent, but I mean they're flying up. Um, Manufacturing is coming back. Four hundred one ks are are up by thirty five percent since you know election day. I mean, I can go on and on and on. Mm. Uh, the largest tax cuts in the history of of our country. Um, ISIS is all but gone. Uh, you know, um, you know they're they're taking on these sanctuary cities that are crippling this country and causing all sorts of problems. They're taking on the opioid crisis, prison reform. I mean, gotten great Supreme Court justices in there. Um, I mean, he, we're winning. America's winning again. And the Democrats and you and I have joked about this before, but they have no message. I mean, what they're trying to run on is. Let's double taxes, which will tank our economy. I mean, everything that you've seen us pick up would, would disappear in a second if, if they were to do that. They're anti-law enforcement, which makes no sense to me. They're anti-plastic straw, I mean, because yeah. that really is one of the pivotal <laughs> issues of our time. And, I mean, it's in, 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 and they want to you know, manufacture chaos at every turn. And it's, um, it, it's not going to win these midterms. Um, people have to go out and vote, but it's not going to win these midterms. Well, I, I, so you made so many excellent points there, and I, I encourage people to go to AFR.net. You can pull the podcast down and share that soundbite from Eric Trump to your friends who are wondering, well, what's all the hubbub? The hubbub is what you're not hearing about. Most Americans, unless they're watching CNBC or some other you know, business-oriented channel, are not going to know that the stock market in China has taken a huge dive or that they've already announced they're going to reduce some of the tariffs that they increased on us because – it's not hurting us. It's hurting them. It, it, the, the backlash that they're receiving is economic and it's swift, but it has no impact on our market. So when you were here last, it was, it's so funny that this is the, I mean, you're, you're like, it's, you're like a boomerang. You're back at just the right spot. This is the conversation we had. We'd had an economic analyst on. She said wages were stagnant and that everything would be back to normal. 2.1% growth by this time next year or earlier. Now here we are. The economy is even stronger than it was the last time you were on, and wages are on the uptick. This is a result of the good economic policies, wouldn't you say? No question. First of all, I mean, tell, tell that analyst never bet against Trump um, because he'll <laughs> beat you every single time. Don't, don't bet against the man. I mean, I've, 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 I've learned that the good and, and bad way being a son and, you know, I mean, the amount of little wagers, but don't bet against Trump. Um, he's, a, he's an amazing guy. You know, second of all, the, the man has tremendous backbone, and he will fight harder than anybody. I mean, you got to realize the politicians in Washington—they were never willing to fight this. They—they they were never, you know, they were never. The American president was never willing to take on China before, and Mexico, and Canada, and the media, and the opposite party, um, and so many others all at the same time. I mean, you know, he's—he's—he's he's he's an amazing guy. He's willing to take on these fights because he's principled and he knows he's right. When you have an $870 billion trade imbalance with the rest of the world, I mean, think about that. We've rebuilt, we've rebuilt so many countries around the, the, the world using our money, our people's money, when it could have gone into our educational system, it could have gone into our schools, it could have gone into our roads, our infrastructure. Instead, we rebuilt China. You see these cities. You have another city that pops up every three days over there. I mean, who's building that? That's our, you know, that's our roughly $500 billion trade deficit with China, and that's all being pumped into those places. You know, yet you, know, you, you drive across country, and we have bridges that were falling over, right? And, and it had to change, and it's something that bothered him 
tremendously. Um, but the politicians never had the guts to take this on, and he does, and, and, and that's why we're back on track. I mean, from every quantifiable measure, from every quantifiable measure, and it's driving the Democrats crazy, it's driving the media crazy, but we're winning again. This country is w- winning again. We're building the greatest military this country has ever seen. We're taking care of vets. Our economy is absolutely on fire. I mean, we're doing so well. Look at ISIS. I mean, uh, you know, I don't mean to kind of rant on this, but you know, when he took over office, they estimated that there's 45,000 ISIS fighters. Now that now they estimate that there's less than a thousand. I mean, they took the handcuffs off the military and let them do what they do best, which is kill these bastards. And they've done a great job with it. And, you know, again, no one talks about ISIS. When was the last time you heard, you know, CNN talk about ISIS and the fact that they're all but done? Well, um, I mean, it's Eric, CNN, you know, I mean, wow, that's that's kind of a low bar. I don't, I don't hear any of them talking about it. But I think the the thing that so any of these subjects that you've named off and I think we're, we're on the same page here. Any of the subjects you see. President Trump, not just fighting, but really scrapping for us, because it's not easy for him to go to the G20 summit or the United Nations and, you know, kind of go in there and know that people, they're really rooting for him to fail. And they don't want to hear him talk tough about trade or about our relationships with these countries in the Middle East that are against our ally Israel. They don't want that. But he goes in and does it anyway, because he really cares about this country. And it's the same thing he's been talking about decade after decade, ever since he first entered public life as a business person. So I'm I'm excited about it, and I, 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 I can't thank you enough for coming on the show. If you're just tuning in, you just missed a fantastic interview with Eric Trump. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see him do more. What can we expect? Give us a little teaser. What's next on the agenda? I know we have the midterms, obviously, but there's things that the president and, is working on uh, to, for more winning for the American people. Yeah, kind of, you know, I'm, I, I almost chuckle because you, you wait over the next, two and I'll say six years, um, what gets done. I mean, what he's accomplished in the last 24 months, that's not that short of, I mean, he turned around a country, he turned around an entire economy. He deregulated an entire economy, so we have a chance of competing against the rest of the world. Again, you have companies, you know, rushing back to get back to the United States. I mean, you know, we have a GDP that's unlike anything we've ever seen before. We've got unemployment unlike anything that we've ever seen before. I mean, he's done so many things, but... Um, there's a lot more. Um, there's a lot more trade deals, and he's going to go one by one, and he's going to knock out every single country, and, and he's going to create fair trade. Otherwise, we'll just stop dealing with them, or we'll put massive tariffs on them, like he did with China. And mm. you know, quite frankly, if you put a 25% tariff on China, you have billions and billions and billions of dollars that are just showing up in the mailbox to the Treasury um, <laughs> every month. That, by the way, that's not the worst thing in the world, Stacey. You know, by the way, if that's our worst case position, having billions of dollars showing up at the U.S. Treasury from China, every like that's not a bad fallback position. I like no it. Fairness, I like but, it. <laughs> um, I kind of, I kind of do too. It's, but you know, so he's going to continue with trade deals, and there's a lot of other countries. Um, and it, but you know what? I think as each one of these countries comes off, I think as Mexico reaches a deal, and Canada reaches a deal, and you know, China eventually reaches a deal, and so many of these other countries, I think there's a lot of other powers that are saying they're saying. You know what? Let's not play around. Let's not play with this guy. This guy isn't playing, and he's a very principled person. And you know, we we get too cute, and we're going to hear about it, and 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 it's going to hurt us. And um, you know, so I think indirectly as well, he's setting a great example where people um, people are going to be very very careful the way they you know they treat the U.S. Even look at the United Nations last week. Um, you know, and 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 his general stance to the United Nations: we're funding this entire thing, mm-hmm. we're paying for so much of your security, and then you'll come vote against us. You'll be mean to us. You'll be disrespectful. You'll you'll mock us. You'll make fun of us. Guess what? You know, if you're going to do that, you know, we're not paying for it. We're going to make your foreign aid disappear. 
um, et cetera, et cetera. We're going to hold you accountable. And, and again, they've never heard that message from American president before. And this is our taxpayer money at work. I mean, it can either be going to these countries or it can be going to our schools or it can be going to, you know, projects domestically. Um, yeah. You know, so um, if people have heard that message. And um, I can tell you we're respected around the world again. We are respected around the world again. We're respected as a country again. And um, over the next, you know, two years, four years, six years, you uh, – you watch how well we do. This guy, he, he knows how to win. Um, he fights harder than any person I've ever met in my life, and it's exactly what this country has needed for a very, very, very long time. Well, I'm looking forward to it. That, that this, That's my unqualified opinion, is that I, I'm not only excited about it, I'm looking forward to it. And I come to expect, I, I keep lifting my, my bar, and he keeps exceeding it on what he can do with the economy. And it's important for us as a nation to have this... St- this economic stability. And uh, I'm, I'm just so excited about it. Thank you so much for coming on today to explain the new deal and talk to us about the president's plans and everything that's going on. It's such a pleasure to speak with you again, Eric Trump. Um, thank you for your time today, sir. Thanks. Stacey. It's always great to be on with you. I love, uh, I love the show and, uh, and, and you're amazing. We appreciate everything. Oh, thank you. We'll talk again soon. Can't wait. All right. So, um, you know what, guys, that was a fantastic interview. I encourage you to go over to AFR.net and download the podcast. You can also just share it. You can hit one of the buttons and push it out on your social media. Um, I, I always love to get Eric Trump's perspective on these, especially these kind of big announcements that have to do with the business world because he's running the Trump company and a group of companies. And, and so he's really, all of these things, he sees their impact directly, immediately within his sphere of influence working in, in that business. Um, so it was great to speak with him. If you're leaving us, <laughs> see you later from the heartland. If you're sticking around, we have news and information for you coming up next from onenewsnow.com. God bless. <laughs>